When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Phil Mackey. He's a very excitable guy. Sometimes, you know, he gets off the reservation a little bit. Judd Zolgad. I mean, he's like 200 years old. He's like the most negative dude in the world. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Uh, Mackey and Judd. One of us is uh, at How's full strength vocally. The other one is uh, trying to hang on here before the holidays. So what happens when two work, hours left. When you work in a studio where everyone shares everything, keyboards, mice, microphones. Hey, you can still talk. Like, Royce, came in two days ago and said, I had to turn around and go home and throw up for two hours. I could come into work. Like, what? Don't bring that to the office. But he did. We're glad that he, uh, we're glad that he spread it. At that least around. you can talk. Unlike when we began the show during the wild playoffs and I couldn't talk. Last you know, the, you know, I, actually, the, like the Judbot 3000 was your replacement that day, and it actually performed maybe better than you did. So it offered so. some, it offered some exquisite insights into the world of ice hockey. There's no question about yes. it. Yes, uh, let's do some hot stove here real quick. We weren't planning on doing a hot stove segment today, but two things have popped up. You saw one of them. Uh, just real quick to get this uh, breaking news out there: Denard Span on his way back to his hometown of Tampa. He's not the main name in this trade. Evan Longoria is. Evan Longoria, multi-time third-base all-star for the Rays. He's 32 years old now and still on that team-friendly extension that he signed like five seasons ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, He goes to the Giants for Denard Span and three prospects, one of them the shortstop Christian Arroyo. So uh, interesting uh, trade there with one of the the mainstays of the Tampa Bay Rays' success and organization leaving town and uh, and going. I wonder if it makes it more likely that they would trade Chris Archer. Now that they've gotten rid of Evan Longoria, they're clearly in Oh, I think so, yeah. Mode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, he signed through 2022. Okay. Uh, Evan Longoria. And then you wow. saw a report that the Twins... Is this from Doogie? This is the from twins? Doogie, yes. Okay, this go is, ahead. You go ahead. The uh, So, uh, Doogs in, in the past couple of days, has uh, had some information about uh, players the Twins are pursuing, which includes uh, some interest, according to him, in working out a two-year agreement with injured reliever Trevor Rosenthal. So this is is within his his uh, reporting about Darvish, Pineda, etc. He said the Twins are interested in a two a potential two year agreement with injured pitcher Trevor Rosenthal. So what's his? Okay, explain the injury status. I'm going to have to go find it now. I did not even realize he was hurt because he he'd been with the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, he's been really good with the Cardinals. Okay, you for know six what? Years. Here's what it is. Uh, Tommy John surgery, of course. So Tommy John surgery in August. Which means he won't be back until 2019 either. So they're kind of Pineda like, yeah, the Pineda Rosenthal thing. I was a little excited when I saw Trevor Rosenthal. Like, oh, I forgot he's out there. What's the, oh, he's a free agent. No, he, there's a reason why his name hasn't been talked about. 
Tommy John surgery. But if he comes back healthy, mm-hmm. it's the type of reliever the Twins haven't had much of the past 10 years, if ever. A guy who throws 100 miles an hour, let's say he comes back throwing 95 to 100 still. Mm-hmm. A guy who struck out 14 batters per nine innings last year and had an expected ERA of two and a half. It was 340 was his actual ERA, which can be skewed if you're a reliever and you have one bad game. Fernando Rodney got blown up in the first month, gave up five runs oh, yeah. here, three runs there. The ERAs. His ERA was like 14. High through June. He then, didn't yep. allow a run for two months. Yep. And his ERA was shaved yep. all the way down to like five. So yep. it's hard sometimes to gauge with uh, with that. But he throws 95 to 100 miles an hour. Uh, he's had some control problems. There was a back-to-back stretch where he had 45 and 48 saves for the Cardinals in 2014-15. So it would be interesting if they could pay him to rehab and then have him locked in for that comeback so that's season. So like two mil for for the year, uh, basically where he goes where he goes through and gets uh, gets right. About two mil for that year, and then you bring him back, sign him to a two year deal, give him about eight million the next year. I mean, I think that's what they did with Pineda. Sure. Yeah. So that's fine. I you know so do you think do you think that they now have gone from they got Rodney to close. They're now going to pursue starters. Do, do you think they go back to, to bullpen help then in the open market here eventually? Or do you think that they are going to sign Rodney and then like the guys that they have enough behind him that they won't sign a lot more? For I the think bullpen, what's happening right now, I think what's happening right now is there are a lot of guys who didn't get what they wanted, free agent pitchers mm-hmm. and agents, Scott Boris, who didn't get what they wanted at the winter meetings. And now there's really no deadline. There's a there's a deadline of, hey, we're all flying out on Thursday. We're all here at this hotel and this resort, and we're all hammering out deals. So let's get a deal done by Thursday. And that's why you saw Fernando Rodney sign and, and some of these other players. The problem is, once you get out of the winter meetings, the, the next deadline is spring training. I was going to say, yeah, it's going to spring training. So that's why you don't see a lot of deals this time of year. You just... There's some residual stuff left over from the winter meetings, and hey, we are really close. Let's just finalize that next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, if you're if you're a player and you didn't get what you wanted at the winter meetings, you know, unless you get stuck in a game of musical chairs, and now like there's only one team remaining, you might wait until January. You might wait until close to spring training. So I think what's happening is I'm going to take Doogie at face value. He's reporting uh, that the Twins are a pivoting to pitching. Mm-hmm. I'm starting pitching. Mm-hmm. And B, that they're still going to make a splash for somebody as good or better than Irvin Santana, either via trade or free agency. Well, the That's only the yes. only guys you'd put in that category for free agents are you, Darvish, maybe Jake Arrieta. But last year, Jake Arrieta was not the same pitcher. He's still good, mm-hmm. but that's a debate there. And maybe Alex Cobb, but but Irvin Santana was better than Alex Cobb last year in a lot of different ways. So th- th- so. Those would be like the three free agents, unless there's trade talks going on behind the scenes that uh, that heat up again. So Doogie was basically told us, if I heard this right, that the Cubs want Cobb. They thought that that was, was going to get done a while back. It didn't get done. They're now talking to Darvish, but the reality is they still want Cobb, and so they're trying to basically leverage Cobb by m- making him think that they might sign you. So if that convoluted logic is true... You now are down to what? The Rangers possibly, Astros and Twins. For you, Darvish? For Darvish. No, the Cubs, the Cubs are in on you, Darvish. The Cubs wouldn't have met face-to-face for four hours with you, Darvish, 
if they weren't willing to sign him. I don't. And I guess if you're a Twins fan and you want you Darvish to to be available and to you know to come to Target Field, when the Cubs when 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 Theo Epstein and company get into a room with someone, John Lester, whoever it has been the last four years, uh, they usually land their guy. So if they're in a room and they really want you Darvish, and I don't think you meet with him for four hours and make a presentation, yeah, and I have no idea. I don't think you do. If you're if you're not genuinely interested, um, you know how many more things about the Twins are more appealing than what the Cubs could offer? Mm-hmm. Probably not money. You know the Cubs are ready to win a World Series. They already won one two years ago. So I don't know. I don't think man. I know I predicted and write that down that they were going to sign you Darvish, but I don't think they are. But I think they're in on him. But ultimately, if the Cubs want you Darvish, I think the Cubs get you Darvish. What would Cobb cost? Do we think? Um. Because that, that does intrigue me at the potentially at the right price and the term. MLB trade rumors predicted before the season, and they're pretty accurate with because they they have a they're not just spitballing. I mean, they're collecting reports and stuff. Sure, I think they said fifty million dollars over four years, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. Fifty fifty five million over four years, and Alex Cobb is a very good. He's a playoff rotation caliber starter. Yeah, so if you could get ridiculous. a, a yeah, yeah playoff rotation caliber starter, I'd probably do that. Um, he would upgrade for sure. Then the you'd Flyers? have Irvin Santana, Alex, Alex Cobb, and and Barrios. Uh, Jose Barrios. Yeah. So you know Trevor Rosenthal. I I was more excited before I remember that he had Tommy John surgery. But rehabbing guys and getting him back, Phil Mackey. Yeah. So all right, let's um, let's do a couple things. We got to get to you have uncovered for later this hour some good Xavier Rhodes nuggets. An incredible statistic. Yeah. In fact, uh, yeah, he's. I saw it. maybe it's the same thing. I'm not going to give it away, but something about. Something specifically about him against the top receivers yes, in the NFL is, the last couple of years. Is correct. It's it, yeah, it's absurd. It's mind-boggling. Uh, Mike Golick Jr. in about an hour from now on Mackie and Judd, and uh, our quarterback cesspool challenge when we come back. Mackie and Judd are back. The Emperor does not share your optimistic appraisal of the situation. On 1500 ESPN. So much football. So much hey, big skin. that quarterback in the face? I want to do it. Yes, indeedy. It's our quarterback cesspool challenge where we attempt to identify the worst of the worst each week in our uh, little little game we play. And we honor the worst of the worst each week as well. There's um, so much to choose from these and, days. In fact, yep. And uh, well, let's let's just start by honoring because I think for the it might be like the second or third time all year, uh, we as a collective picked two of the quarterbacks in the bottom three in the NFL last week. Um, not this guy, but this guy was awfully, awfully terrible in uh, last week's games. Wait a second here. Actually, hold on. Oh, Dave, you grabbed um, you grabbed different highlights then. Did you grab the Andy Dalton stuff? I did grab an Andy Dalton highlight. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. There the it is. Oh, my bad. I saw it. Okay, there it is. Yes. Okay, I'm screwing this whole segment up. You're doing uh, great, though. I'm sorry. All right, here's he sits in the chair. bad quarterback. Not me. Here's Wilson. Quinn coming with pressure. Wilson dropped the football. It's loose, and the Rams have it. I thought we had more raw versus total QBR controversy there. That's where I was going with that. I thought that maybe Andy Dalton's raw versus total. Let's was stop. Look, can week. we stop after uh, last week? Was that Russell Wilson? That was. He was bottom three this he week. Was bottom wow. three. It's amazing. Didn't see that coming. Well, when you get down 42 rip to the Rams at home, then, uh, yeah. Uh, then there was this guy. For Hopkins, and is that another takeaway? 
Barry Church has it. And Jacksonville with the interception. Uh, TJ Yates, that was my selection last week. When you pick TJ Yates uh, as your starting quarterback, if you're the Texans, against the best pass defense in the NFL, you reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't care. At that point, you just want the season to be done with. Yeah. That's all you want. And then the worst performance of the week, as pegged by Dave Harrigan. Dalton sets and throws. Intercepted. Picked off by Kendricks. Eric Kendricks looking for the angle. It was Andy Dalton serving it up to Eric Kendrick. If only I hadn't taken him in week nine. That was the guy I wanted, but I took him in week nine. Really? Dang it, I couldn't take him again. God, he was good job, Dave. He was just wonderfully horrible. He he was absolutely lost. Oh, yeah. He was actually pretty good in week nine as well. A 55 QBR, which is above average. I know. Don't tell Uh, me. It was above average. I know. So. I know. Uh, so here's what uh, what happened in our picks, anyways. Judd was the loser last week, riding the Bryce Petty experience to a dismal performance, but not as bad as T.J. Yates and Andy Dalton. QBR was what thirty something for him, forty five or something. Okay, somewhere yeah. in there. It was below average. Yeah, so he not- was bottom third of the league, but mm-hmm. I couldn't beat you guys. Oh, Yates and Dalton are tough. Yeah, they are. Listen, this is the time of year where you have to step up your game okay? <laughs> yeah. to find the most. And Harrigan and I have been, have been dialed in here for quite you some time. You guys are doing a good job. Uh, so Judd is the loser last week, which means uh, we're all on the hook for something. I've been on the hook for three weeks. Uh, I, I do have a couple other punishment ideas for you guys, either for tomorrow, Friday, or for when we get back uh, from our holiday right. vacationing. Okay. One would be... Well, I'll just we'll we'll run these by the committee off the air, and then we can dish out punishments here live on the air. You know, Judd could do updates on Friday. Judd, just saying, Judd. I'll think about it. No wild game on Thursday to keep you up. How about this? Because Judd's on the hook for two of them right now. Mm-hmm. It's either Friday morning updates for you, where you come in at like whatever five o'clock in the morning, and then you do updates however you want to do them. Yeah. Or. Punishment of our choosing, and you don't get any say in it. Well, I think I. Would chose you agree that to those terms? Time. I think I think I chose that. I'll think about it. Go ahead. <laughs> He's so uncomfortable. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead with the next. Uh, well, you get to uh, pick number one overall here this week. So All right. you set us up. I am going to, with the top pick, I am going to replicate what you did last week because the Pittsburgh Steelers' pass defense is also very good. So I'm going to go to the problem in Houston. TJ Yates. Wow, what a performance last week. 12 of 31, 128 yards, a touchdown and an interception against the Jaguars defense as the Jags throttled Yates and the Texans 45 to 7. But a fun fact, he wasn't even the worst quarterback of the week. That was the genius Harrigan pick of Andy Dalton. Yates, however, was second worst. Look for him to achieve perhaps the bottom of the cesspool totem pole this week as the Texans are back home. Yates expect to be under center against the Pittsburgh Steelers and should be truly horrendous. TJ Yates, baby. <laughs> I'm counting on you, TJ, yes. to be as bad as you were last Excuse week. Excuse me. Yes. You okay there? I was rooting hard for TJ Yates last week. I wanted him to be disastrous. Oh. And now look where my voice is at. Yep. Um, I believe I'm the only one not to use this player at all this season. What a good time coming back in in a meaningless game where the Vikings have to win it to get home field advantage or to extend it. Brett Hundley against Mike Zimmer. Brett Hundley. 
Hard to believe this guy has not been picked by everybody yet, but it's true. Still available for this selection. Brett Hundley, his last performance, keep in mind, not bad at all against the Cleveland Browns a couple weeks ago. 265 yards passing, three touchdowns, and no interception. But also keep in mind, that was against the Browns this week at home. Lambeau Field, frozen tundra, Minnesota Vikings, that harsh defense coming in and harsh weather expected. A game time temperature should be around 10 degrees above zero. Expect the weather and his performance to be cold as ice. But will he be chewing gum? <laughs> That's the only question. That's the controversy, will Brent yes. Hundley be chewing gum? Gum might freeze. Well, that's a problem. See. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And with the third overall pick, week 16, quarterback cesspool challenge, Ooh, Dave Harrigan. Man, first time I believe he's been picked by anybody. You know he loves himself some crab legs from Publix. <laughs> <laughs> Jameis Winston. Wow, what an exciting pick. Last week, a great game for Jameis. 299 yards, three touchdowns, no picks against the Falcons. But forget about the quarterback. How about the man behind the pick? Dave Harrigan once again walking that tightrope taking chances on proven commodities in the NFL. He's not like Phil and Judd taking career backups, guys seeing their first action of the season or perhaps of their career, taking a proven NFL starter here. Last week, Andy Dalton was the pick. He rode him all the way to success as the worst quarterback in the league of Week 15. Let's see what happens with Winston this week. On the road, taking on a tough Carolina Panthers defense. It looks like another great selection and a gutsy one of that from Harrigan. Wow. Way to pat yourself on the back. I like it. I like it. Way to pat yourself right in the back there. No, that's not me. That's the analyst. Oh, okay. Thank you. That was Mel Kuyper, actually. Yeah, oh, yeah, of yeah. course it is. Yes. <laughs> yes. No question. Um, so there it is. Uh, by the way, the average scores so far, we're looking for the lowest QBR here. Much like uh, the game Raz in poker, you're looking for the worst hand. And right now, uh, I have picked the worst collection of quarterbacks all year. Judd has moved in front of Dave, second place, and uh, Dave is sitting there very steadily uh, with a 40 QBR on average. Mine's 27, and Judd 37.8. Yeah, see, Dave, you've mostly been steady, Eddie. Uh, Your Andy Dalton pick from last week was by far your best pick of the season. Uh, You're good at identifying the below-average performers, but not the completely trash performers. Which I've done a few times. I don't yeah. like to pick the uh, the low hanging fruit like you guys do. TJ oh, I do. Yates, oh, blah, I most blah, blah. definitely you do. You go with the primetime names like C.J. Beathard and Deshaun Kaiser <laughs> and Trevor Simeon. The real quarterback. Well, at the time, league. they were highly thought of. They okay? were. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what you're talking. C.J. Beathard was yeah, he was awesome for a while. In hey, fact, when in Iowa, Iowa, yeah, Iowa quarterbacks have a long history of great success in the NFL. <laughs> they yeah, really very do. True. Yeah, of uh, yeah, of successfully watching it from their couches in Des Moines. On Sunday with the rest of us. And more Iowa City. Uh, Judd has done the best job of picking the single-digit QBR performers. So how am I not doing better on the Desha- win-loss? Well, huh? you're a feast or famine. I know. It's just you're I'm AP. All, I'm all high end. You are. I'm famine, famine, feast. You've had, you're right. It's a 1 to 100 scale. You've picked Deshaun Kaiser with a 5.1 QBR. Mitch Trubisky with an 8.5. Trevor Simeon with a 5.8. Nathan Peterman with a .3 QBR. That was genius. (laughs) That's brilliant. That's amazing. How does a guy throw five interceptions in one half and even get to .3? Yeah, what is the .3? 
Did he get a first down? <laughs> Did he run for a first down? They just felt bad for him. They felt so bad for him, they couldn't give him a 0. If, 0. if that's not a zero, then what is a zero? He didn't fumble a snap, I guess. I'd be at point three two. Uh, I Alcohol see content there. there. Yeah, no, yeah, that's what I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. <laughs> yeah, that was point three, and then comma, T-O-O, for those of you who didn't get it. It was good. Mm-hmm. It was good. That, that's what I'd be that doing. wasn't drinking even a BASF. That was just a good I'd advancement of the joke. drinking heavily in Buffalo. Um, back to our Twins hot stove thing for just a second here. Yes, Bill, sir. so uh, the Rays have traded Evan Longoria to the Giants. Denard Spann and three prospects coming back to Tampa Bay. And we and we just threw it out. I mean, does it make it more likely they're going to trade Chris Archer? I think it probably does. Longoria was signed through right. 2022. Right. He's now not. he's 32 years old, so they're trading him while his value is higher. Mm-hmm. Archer's younger, under contract for four more years. And Bill says, with Longo trade... Offer Sano for Archer. That started with this show, by the way. That, uh, that's a great idea. Oh, don't, no, don't say that. We'll great get idea. tweets from people uh, that offer it a year ago. Sano for Archer Plagiarism. and uh, then sign Alex Cobb and skip you, Darvish. I love that plan. Sano for Archer. I actually, if I'm the Twins, sweeten the pot a little bit, not by a lot, and I go from there. Yes. This is this is ideal. Yeah, so like Sano, well, you'd have to give a pitcher. So it would be okay. Sano and Gonsalves for Archer, mm-hmm. and then go sign Alex Cobb, and now you've got Archer, Irvin, Cobb, Barrios. Yep. Your bullpen's still pretty shaky. Yeah, but you're off to a heck of a start with starters then. Actually, you know what? If, if you pull this trade, rather than signing Alex Cobb, go sign like Addison Reed or somebody. Mm-hmm. By the way, none of these things are going to happen. No, I don't but think they're going to trade for Chris but Archer. I, but... I, the trade idea is really good, and I think I think that if you pursued this trade, there's a fighting chance, especially now, that Tampa Bay would do it. Do you think the Twins have had any meaningful internal conversations about trading Miguel Sano? Uh, with this crew that they have now, yes, I'd probably do. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past them. That it's Not come up second. in a boardroom somewhere. Well, I think you might be right. These guys got. I don't think they're going to do it. These but. guys got a year to have the, the Sano experience, which when it's good, is really pretty good. But they also watched him balloon up again. I mean, if he was truly 300 pounds at one point, you've got to be saying to, to yourself internally, all right, he's what, 24 now? 23, 24? He's 300 pounds. Do we really want to continue down, down this path? Because if you're if you're ballooning up during the course of a season to that weight now, what happens when you're 28? And, and by, by the way, by then, you're signed to a long-term contract. So, yes, I I believe that although they might not make a trade, I think they have probably talked about it. Yeah. It makes sense to talk about I, it. I, I think uh, it's probably come up. Um, my guess is they want to see him for another year, but let's say let's say even he's healthy all year. Mm-hmm. If he's 250 hitter who strikes out 220 times and you're still questioning his third base defense, that's kind of who he is now. I mean, he's, he's at the point where he's played enough you, once you get you know a thousand plate appearances, you're and you get into your mid twenties, you're pretty much identifying who you are as a player. It's pretty rare the Jose Batistas and some of these guys that wind up playing in the major leagues until they're twenty nine, thirty, and then all and of a sudden it, yes. they overhaul their entire value and their entire game. Absolutely, but, uh, yeah. So yes, I think that this uh, that. Bill's idea is a very good idea, and it's at least worth uh, pursuing and uh, trying to make a phone call about. Uh, Xavier Rhodes, not a pro, you know, he is a pro bowler. He is a pro he bowler. He is a pro bowler. So, yes. 
Uh, rightfully so, based on the nugget we're going to share with you when we come back here, Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. There's so many opinions. Every morning, people tune into you guys and get a good one. Mackie and Judd. Not a good one, just a great one and an honest one. And not just yelling back and forth. On 1500 ESPN. Boys, you know what I love most about baseball? Oh, is it the bombs, Dave? Is it the double switch? No, it's outfield defense. Oh. <laughs> Ashing pole to pole, making all the plays, covering so much ground. Every night and day, crashing into walls. Watch them as they fly. Giant gaps at target field. Where doubles go to die. Oh, Byron catches everything. Max makes every play. If you test Eddie's arm, he'll gun you at the play. Hey, Byron catches everything. Max makes every play. If you test Eddie's arm, he'll gun you at the play. Just one year ago. It was an ugly sight. The starting outfield. Abigail Sano and Wright. Ho, ho, ho. Pitchers say their thanks. For the luck that they have got. What used to be an extra base. Now is getting cut. Oh, Byron catches everything. Max makes every play. If you test Eddie's arm, he'll gun you at the play. Byron catches everything. Max makes every play. If you test Eddie's arm, he'll gun you at the play. Ah, happy U-Log season, gentlemen. Songs by the U-Log, Volume 3. People are asking... Uh, where can we find those songs? And then some people are saying, Stop when are you guys going to be done with those songs? Yep. But uh, right now, the best place to find volumes three and two are Facebook video page. So facebook.com slash 1500ESPN, uh, and then there's a video tab. I think you can even just go facebook.com slash 1500ESPN slash videos, mm-hmm. and you'll see a little playlist there that you can get them. If you want season one, or uh, or I should say volume one, soundcloud.com slash 1500 ESPN, and then we can put them up sometime this week on our show page. We'll figure out a way to, I don't know, like embed the There's songs. There's lots of songs now. What, 30 like 30. And we got a, right? full, got a full list here. Let me see. It's got to be around 30. It's uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 10. It was 13 in season one. <laughs> that was a big yeah. album. That's a, that's a double album. Yeah, it was that's a white album. So we'd rather forget. It was 12. It looks like 12 in season in uh, volume two. That's 25. That's prolific, gentlemen. And seven so far... So 32, 32 songs by the U-Log since uh, since starting this venture a couple years ago. So we did, um, did, did you say 16 in year one? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> 15. That's a really aggressive <laughs> writing schedule there. I mean, there are some really forgettable ones. Like, Don't do it. We'll just come play on, like, okay, come on, do come it. on, do okay, it, do it, do it. Just do it. 15 seconds, yes. 15 seconds. Okay, 30 seconds. <laughs> oh, no, keep going, keep going. School the Viking fencing, Cordero can't do a thing. Return kicks and run fast, but can't run a route to save your ass. Oh, that's pretty good. Okay. That's pretty good. How is that not good? How is that not brilliant? <laughs> um, there was this forgettable one from volume one. Oh my god, this is so bad. 
We should just leave on Friday and, and just play all 32 songs it's starting been, at like it's 11 It's been done o'clock. before on this show. Yeah, we did do that after season Because you uh, left for the, for the Patino show two years ago, and on I think Monday, we played yeah. an, an hour of songs. Yeah. All right, you have a nugget. Picked off by Rhodes. And Xavier Rhodes makes the play on the outside and comes away with the interception. So the big controversy of the, um, of the uh, Tuesday show was this. Vikings MVPs, right? Pick five, and and the controversy was that that b- both of us didn't put Case one. In fact, I put Case three, and my my top two were Harrison Smith and Rhodes was number two. And then I got home and saw this stat that was tweeted out uh, about Xavier Rhodes, and this is why I picked him second, and he might be first. Since 2016, Xavier Rhodes has held Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, and AJ Green. So we're talking the it might be the best like, creme de la creme yeah. to get this, get this all combined when they've been to his side. So throws to his coverage, I, I should say, nine receptions for ninety-four yards. Wow! So Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham last year, AJ Green on Sunday. So at least two Hall of Famers. Yes. And we'll see about Odell Beckham Jr., Hall of Fame talent. Four four incredibly talented receivers have nine catches total for 94 yards. Wow. That 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 to me and it's and and again, the reason why this guy impresses me so much is that for the most part these four, these four guys have not been thrown at consistently against him because the quarterback doesn't trust it. And sometimes he's shadowing those guys, sometimes he's not. Mm-hmm. And it's not like well, you know, when look at the numbers when Julio lines up against Trey Waynes, he's either being shadowed by Xavier Rhodes or not getting his regular numbers, period, because of the entirety of the Vikings defense. Correct. So I hear those numbers. That's amazing. So on average, they're catching two, maybe three passes per game. Yes. For around 10 yards per catch, yes. which we're, ta- those, we're talking guys who get 15 plus yards per catch, usually. We're talking about they become non factors. They become non-factors. And now think, and now, as I've said before, though, think back to the the cornerbacks that we have seen play here previously. And you, if if you had, let's, let's take a pick here. If you had Marcus McCauley against A.J. Green, nine receptions for 94 yards in a single game would probably be low. Oh, for a single game. Yes, yeah, for you, a single game. So you'd if, actually praise him for holding yes. the guy under 100 yards. If the Bengals yeah. had come here on Sunday and Marcus McCauley was playing cornerback and A.J. Green is out there yeah. and, and the box score said 9 for 94, you'd say, 
Oh, that's not that bad. I'm yeah. not surprised. It's actually taken a while to reprogram our minds for what a good defense looks and feels like. Because I'll never forget uh, the the game 10 years ago where Brett Favre came in his last year as a Packer and broke Dan Marino's touchdown record. Yep. If his 421st touchdown pass. Greg Jennings, I believe, caught it, yeah. Jennings was lined up, I believe, on Marcus McCauley in the slot. And you're watching that. It didn't take Tony Romo on play but on commentary to watch that game and figure out before the snap, oh, God. <laughs> you're right, yes. This is a touchdown pass yeah. to Greg Jennings. Yep. And uh, and, it, and it was. But, you know, this that's that's the fun part about watching this team. And Chip had the nugget. It's like 12 points per game allowed at home. Mm-hmm. You know, previous good Vikings defenses in my lifetime were mostly just good at stopping the run. And then you just kind of crossed your fingers. Oh, my God, hopefully, hopefully they don't allow 300 yards passing. Um, this is all encompassing, and, and it's that, the first time we've had a shutdown quarterback difference. in town. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've never had, I can't think, unless you go back to the 70s and Bud's teams, I can't think of a time where I have seen a Viking defense that every portion was good, mm-hmm. this good, to excellent. You know, the line's been good. The linebackers at times through the, the years have, have been, been good. You've had some guys in the secondary. But I can't think of a team that you've had the entire thing be this this solid, and you've got five or six guys who are outstanding. But Xavier Rhodes, to, to be able to be respected enough that that group of, of all pro receivers that I read to you doesn't even have 10 combined catches. That's insane. I mean, if you process that, yes, it's completely ridiculous. Yeah, and, and even just like looking, looking at their numbers uh, – you know, even if they're against Trey Waynes or somebody, uh, it's like Odell Beckham caught three passes the entire game a year ago, mm-hmm. year and a half ago, and uh, Mike Evans, I want to say, only caught like six passes for sixty yards. Yes, but about six receptions. Yeah, but it's that's a big play receiver who's kidding. That you held in check. Yes, yeah, that's pretty big time. So uh, if you guys want to chime in, we haven't really taken phone calls or opened up the lines. We have uh, one guest at twelve fifteen, Mike Golick Jr. The rest of the way here, so. Six five one, and you know what? You could save me from having to sandpaper my way through the rest of this show. If you want to co-host with Judd via the phone, six five one. That's a sexy voice. Six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred. Call now if you want to whisper sweet Vikings nothings into our ears. Phil Mackey. This guy is absolutely elite. It's kind of like you're looking at your brother. I didn't know who had more energy. Judd Zolgad. I even hesitate to disagree with him because he's so knowledgeable and he knows way more than I ever will. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Trubisky stripped to the football and the Vikings have it. Everson Griffin knocked it out. Picked off by Rhodes. And Xavier Rhodes makes the play on the outside and comes away. With the interception. And Rodgers is hurt. He took a big hit at the end of that play just as he got it out. It looked like he might have landed on that right shoulder. That's Anthony Barr. You know what? The the Vikings have spent the better part of 30 years. They had some really good defenses in the late 80s. They might have had the number one ranked yardage defense at one point. I think they did. Like Keith Millar and those guys, right? Yep. Uh, Under Jerry Burns. Yep. So it's been the better part of 30 years trying to find what they have right now, which I like to call quarterback kryptonite. And it's not just it's not just Xavier. We just spent the whole last segment talking about Xavier Rhodes. Mm-hmm. But this Vikings defense, whether it's the, the front four, which is really a front five or six, if you include Anthony Barr or 
the rotation of having five serviceable defensive linemen, um, they are, for the first time in 30 years, collectively quarterback kryptonite, where, you know what, you don't have to fear Aaron Rodgers lighting you up. Remember, um, excuse me, the um, like the early 2000s Mike Tice teams, where they had, and they weren't quite the 98 offense, but you know what, they could put up points. It was Dante, and it was in his prime Randy Moss, and... And they were putting up points. I mean, they were scoring 30 points on a regular basis. But you knew as a Vikings fan, and they probably knew in that locker room too, there was a year where they played three different 34 to 31 games against the Green Bay Packers. It was like 2004 or 5, somewhere there. You covered those teams. Yes. You knew going into those games, this defense is okay. There's some components here. Um, You knew going in like 2009, there's some, you know, this defense has some good components. But if a really good quarterback is on your schedule, there's a loophole in that defense. They're they're going to find that one cornerback. They're going to find that one pass rusher you have, and they're going to double him and chip him all day and make him make him miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, you could you could sort of take away the two or three components of the defense and then expose them for 300 yards or 30 points. You can't do that anymore. It's quarterback kryptonite. You I can't do it anymore. The perfect example is what was the year in Lambeau? <laughs> They were playing Favre. It was either 03 or 04, and I think it was 03. And, and and they're in Green Bay, and it's a very close, I think, sort of high-scoring game. And the Vikings go down. Ticey was the coach, and the Vikings go down, and they were down. They go down the field and score. And you said to yourself, what? Because they scored so quick. And that was the game where yeah, yeah. Favre got the ball back, and the Packers... The Packers bled the clock, went right down, scored, and won. I think that might have been 05. And Tice... For some reason, 05 stands out to me. Okay, well, anyway, in, in the post game, Tice was asked by somebody, did you score too quick? And in football fashion, he bristled. <laughs> What do you mean score There's too no quick? You, you can't score too quick. You're the object's to score. It was it was like a Michael Bennett uh, touchdown reception yeah. or something. But I the, remember it. But the question was dead on accurate considering the Vikings defense which was should you have tried to bleed more clock. And and that is that is the type of problem that was a legitimate concern back then that I don't think now unless it was a very special circumstance that that you would even give thought to. Yeah. Like now you wouldn't be like, "Oh my god, they scored too quick and now and now the Packers or the Rams are going to go down." You would think to yourself, this defense can stop them. Yeah, there was. Then there was the era where was it like oh five? Oh, it was early Childress, late Mike Tice, where you had Kenechio Deza and that dude for Erasmus James from Wisconsin. You you had edge rushers who Erasmus. were scraping to get to like seven sacks which, in a full season, which is why I get which is why the the Jared trade, which was steep, made a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean they couldn't. Oh, Erasmus couldn't, James was a mess. They couldn't get to the quarterback unless they blitzed, and then good. And then when that happens, yep. guys like Brett Favre welcome that. Oh, you're gonna say, oh you can't get to us with four. You're gonna send two extra, mm-hmm. and now I'm smart enough and calm enough to just pick you apart uh, on the on the back end. Six five one six four six eight two five five. What's up, Mark? You're on the show. Hi, good afternoon. Uh, real quick, before I get to my point, Judd, you're off the hook. You can uh, say the Vikings are going to win the Super Bowl and not be your usual kiss of death because Royce made the prediction on Monday. He did. He was and, on Twitter. Yeah. Tro- and, uh, trolling or serious? No, serious. Okay. He said they're going to – Mark, did you see it on Twitter or somewhere else? Because I saw him tweet. I heard him on uh, – On the show? Uh, Sports talk. <laughs> okay. 
Monday. So he's and, saying that now. Now, he did that with the Wild a couple years ago, maybe even last year going into the postseason, and they 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 won one postseason game. So but I'm fine he's a then, kiss Mark. of death for sure. Okay, I'm fine, though. Yep, you could do you know, normally you are the kiss of death, but uh, I think Royce's taking it off, <laughs> taking it away from you. I like the Listen, pressure. What I really called about was, uh, Phil, a few weeks back, you talked about that two-point conversions uh, usually happen 70% of the time. And since we're not so sure about our kicker, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think of them working on that more? I think it's a matter of time before... Some NFL coach finally decides the heck with you know the heck with the extra point. We'll go for the conversion all the time, especially if you've got you know a good offensive line and everything like that. To me, it just makes sense. I just think right now the NFL's still thinking the old way with the uh, the extra point, but I think it makes more sense to try for the two point conversion. And with going into the playoffs. Uh, it could be what you need to beat one of these other teams. Yeah. So, Mark, I love that question, and it's a bit of a complex answer because this season, for whatever reason, the two-point conversion rate is a lot worse. It's, uh, In fact, let me do the math here. Ordinarily, historically, it's like a 45 to 55% success rate mm-hmm. on two-point conversion. So maybe this year is just a blip on the radar. Uh, but the but the success rate this year is just forty three percent. It was lower than that earlier in the year. So has it dipped because maybe teams are getting better at defending it? But let's let's just call it fifty percent for the purposes of this argument. That for every one hundred times you score a touchdown, if you go for two at that fifty percent rate, and it might vary from team to team. Like the Patriots have a better chance of getting a two point conversion with Rob Gronkowski jumping up for a you know for a fade route than the Cleveland Browns with Deshaun Kaiser, right? Right. But let's call it 50%. Um, So you would then score 100 extra points per 100 touchdowns Mm -hmm. with the 50% uh, conversion rate. Kai Forbath is the worst extra point kicker in the NFL the last two years. He's been better lately. In fact, he hasn't missed an extra point, knock on wood, for quite a while. (laughs) Yeah, see, this is the problem. For quite a while. Yep. Uh, But he's missed eight of them over the past couple of years with the Vikings. Uh, so let me do the math here. He's kicked 49 extra points. He's made 41 of them. Uh, so actually, that's really easy math. It's uh, it's 83. So he's an 84% extra point kicker, meaning mm-hmm. for every 100 touchdowns you score, he gives you an extra 84 points. So if, you're, if your two-point conversion rate is 50% and your kicker's extra point rate is 85%, You'd be getting per 100 touchdowns an extra like 15 points. The yabba there is when you're down by a point or whatever. If, if it's a close game in the fourth quarter, um, and and you're let's say a touchdown puts you up by three points, extra point pending, you're going to kick the extra point in that spot because you'll take that one time the 83 percent rate over the 50 percent rate. But don't you think Mark, Does that makes sense? Yes, but don't, I think Mark's right. I think a coach is going and it's it's. That coach is not in the league probably right now. But I think we are getting to the point where there is is going to be a coach who comes in and says, we're going to work on, on this continually. We're going to change th- things up, and we are going to go for two a lot more. I just don't think that that guy is in the league yet. Now, Tomlin with Pittsburgh, I know a couple of years ago, did it 
I don't want to say consistently, but he did it more often than most. And they've stopped doing that. They've yeah. only done it four. In fact, the Eagles lead the NFL with eight two-point conversion attempts. They're six for eight. But I think Mark's right. I think somebody's going to come along who who says it makes sense. Yeah, but it, even then, it's it's complicated because if you have the you have sixteen checkpoints, where if your goal by going for two would be okay over the course of a four month season, we're going to score more points over four months by going for two if the math works out. But at those checkpoints, which is every single week, your goal is to win a game and have more points than your opponent. You're going to get into these situations where. All right, well, um, it's a close game near the end, and we need an extra point really badly right now to make it a touchdown game instead of a field goal game. Mm-hmm. And if you have an, even an 80% chance to make that kick versus a 50% chance to go for two or wind up with nothing, mm-hmm. you're going to choose the extra point. So it's if you had more games or if you had more touchdowns within games, it would make more sense than it currently does.